0: It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Live Axe Marine and Isle, s Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine and Crosby, Freedom Firearms, Newman Construction, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Canvas Tech, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Bermall Shoe Store in Randall, SPR Mo- Motorsports and Marine, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon.
1: And welcome into this week's show. We've got a lot to cover, lake reports from all across the area. In addition to that, we'll talk about some midsummer crappie bluegill fishing with Tony Roach, how to properly remove a hook if you get it stuck in your finger. That happens from time to time. Plus, another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off, as we always do, with our uh, local report and also uh, up on what's going on in Lake Winnie with Ray Gildow, the Nisswa Guides League. Uh, Ray back with us. And uh, as always, Ray, I guess we'll start up on Winnie. What are you hearing there?
2: Yeah, let's go to Winnie first. Uh, There's been a pretty good little mayfly hatch up there. It's about done now. It's slowed down. Uh, I was on leech last week for a few days and there's a hatch there but it's not the large mayflies it's a little smaller variety uh... but that big fly hatch i think is going to be hitting leech this week i'm guessing uh... there was a lot of wind this past week on windy, which made it really tough for a lot of folks that were staying at resorts to get out in the water and consequently they had to go down and jump over on uh, cutfoot Sioux and get out of the wind but on the days when it wasn't windy uh, the bite has been pretty decent out on the humps, as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Uh, 20 to 28 feet of water, crawler harnesses and crawlers with lindy rigs and spinners have been doing pretty well. Lots of good-sized fish, 22, 23, 24-inch fish. And uh, there's been also a, a decent northern pike bite, although you know more walleye fishermen than pike fishermen and uh, there's been a couple pike that came in out that were over 26 inches in length. <clears throat> there was also a tournament there last weekend, just a small tournament. Uh, so when it hasn't been windy, it's been uh, a fairly decent bite. The lake has gotten pretty stained because it is a stained lake anyway, because the Mississippi River runs through Winnie. And uh, with three and a half, four, or five inches of rain, uh, the lake is still high. So it's stained. It's a little bit more stained, I think, than it would normally be. Uh, but it's um, gotten rid of the bogs. There are no more bogs this week. Last week we talked about bogs floating all around the lake, and most of those have probably disappeared into somebody's dock or somebody's swimming area, and so they're not out on the lake anymore, so that's good news. There still are a few cabins available if you're interested in going to high banks, and you can give Kim Leonhardt a call, and you just go to the high banks uh, website and get information from them. Uh, Jumping down to Brainerd, It's been a great bass bite uh, in the area, almost in the whole area, especially on these days that have been cloudy, overcast. And it it doesn't seem like it's been as windy in the Brainerd area as it was reported, at least up on on, uh, Winnie, rather. Uh, So plastic worms have been working well. Spinner baits early. Drop shot, if you're a drop shot fisherman, you know what that is. Frogs and uh, crankbaits have all been working really well. On most area lakes for bass, it's been really good. There's been some ba- uh, walleyes rather caught, uh, even on round. And late in the evening, pulling crankbaits has been a pretty good. Uh, not You're not going to get your limits, I don't think, but I think it's fair to say you can go out there and get two or three. And gall and north long have also been really good for bass, and it's been spotty for walleyes, but if you know what you're doing, you know where you're going to go. Uh, you can you can still pick up walleyes on uh, North Long and Gull Lake as well as the whitefish chain. <clears throat> so it's that time of the year. The water temperature is kind of up in that 75 to 77 degrees now. So, you know, we expect it to get to be a little tougher for fishing walleyes now. But if you want to go out in the evenings and control camp, baits off of the vegetation edges, you're going to find some, and you can also find some if you're going over the vegetation, by trolling crankbaits that only dive down three or four feet, you don't want to get much deeper than that because you'll be right into the vegetation. So, a where to go? They're not biting everywhere, but there is definitely a bite on. Um, one of the ba- or the walleyes I cleaned this week was uh, a good-sized walleye, a walleye rather, and it had eight crawdads or crayfish in it, which is the most I think I've ever seen in a in a walleye. <clears throat> and I've often said that if you can find cray, uh, uh, crayfish you're going to find walleye and you're going to find bass because that is one of their favorite meals all summer long. So that's something to keep your eye out for. Sunfish have been moving out a little bit deeper, 12 to 20 feet, and the pike are starting to bite a little bit off the vegetation edges in that 12 to 25 feet of water. If you want to bobber fish with suckers uh, right off those weed edges, you're also going to be able to catch some uh, pretty good-sized pike this time of the year. And then uh, I know a lot of people troll daredevils and crankbaits in the midday times over vegetation, normally this time of year you're not going to get big pike, but you might get some two, three, four-pounders doing that. So that's another good technique. And I, I like to kind of feature a technique this week that not many people use or maybe a lot of people have never used, but it's a very, very good effective technique for all of our area lakes, and that's hair jigs. And hair jigs have been around for a long, long time. But the new hair jigs, if you go into any of your bait shops and look at the varieties, you're going to be amazed at the hair jigs that are on the market today. And the reason they're out there is because they are very effective. Small hair jigs will pull in panfish, crappies, um, you know, and uh, tr- uh, sun sunfish, whereas the larger uh, profiles are good for walleyes, bass, and northerns. And the jigs come in many new profiles and colors, Some guys use jigs uh, just plain, and others tip them with live bait plastics or live bait bait imitators like gulp leeches or minnows. And uh, you can catch uh, these uh, fish on these large baits, because some of them are 5 or 6 inches long, and some of them are smaller. Uh, You can uh, jig them real quickly, uh, rip jigging, or you can just let them slowly drop into the areas along vegetation or even inside the weeds Uh, Hair jigs are something that's been around for a long time, but I don't think I hardly ever see anybody using them. So just the tip of the week, I would say give a hair jig a try. Go down uh, Fleet Farm or wherever you buy your tackle and check them out. And then just finally, I'd like to kind of feature one of our little area lakes again this week. And this week it's Sylvan Lake, uh, which is technically in Cass County. It's not in Crow Wing County. It's near Pillager it's not a, a very large lake and camp confidence is located on this there's about eight hundred ninety four acre lake there's about eleven miles of shoreline the maximum depth is fifty seven feet of water and the landing the public landing is on the east side over by dade lake uh, just by camp confidence that's where the uh... the public access is and this is a nice little lake and it does have special fishing regulations because for a number of years it got really really heavily fished and uh... it was a great crappie and sunfish lake and it got so much pressure that it was uh... really getting small in size and small in numbers so a number of years ago the dnr put a five fish limit for crappies and for sunny fish, sunfish rather on that lake uh... the lake is primarily managed for bluegills black crappie and walleye and most of the walleyes that are put in this lake Are fingerlings, and most of them, are put in by the DNR and some by the Lakeshore Association. Um, The the bluegill catch is uh, pretty good in numbers, but the size isn't real big. Uh, They're coming up, though. The crop uh, size is coming up since they've put these new regulations on. And walleyes and other species anglers may encounter due to stocking efforts by the DNR uh, are Modest in numbers, but the average size is a respectable 19.8 inches uh, in some of the trap in the samplings they've been doing with the largest walleye sampled at 23 inches. So they're nice size, uh, but it's not a lake that you can run over to and expect to come home with a limit of walleyes every day. The northern pike catch rate is about 6.8 per gill net, which is slightly above average, and the average size is a little small, uh, so there's... You know, there's a lot a fair amount of pike in that lake and, and a and a really a good number of bass. It's a it's really primarily known as a largemouth bass lake by most of us anglers who fish the lake quite a bit. So it's a nice little lake. Uh upper and Sylvan, uh lower Sylvan, there are two separate bodies of water with the little narrows that runs between the two. It's a pretty little lake. It's a great place to go if it's too windy to go on the big lakes. Uh, give it a try. So that's this week's report, Brian.
1: There you go. That's some great stuff, as always, from Ray Gildow, Niswa Guides League. You can check him out at raygildow.com as well. Is all over social media. Great stuff, Ray. We will talk to you next week, buddy.
2: All right. Sounds good. Thank you.
1: Uh, let's head out to Mille Lacs, get the report out there from Steve Sapaniak with Predator Guide Service, and Steve staying very busy out on the big pond. And warmer water temps, Steve, that's kind of the story going into this weekend with some warmer temps we had. Uh, What can you tell us out there?
3: You know, the water warmer temperatures are definitely here, Brian, like you said. And, you know, they've been a pretty good positive as far as the fishing goes on the big pond. You know, I'm happy to see. You know, these are temperatures we should have had a few weeks ago. But in a way, I'm sort of glad they crept up on us instead of happening overnight, you know. Uh, When it happens overnight, you see a huge die-off of tulipy and whitefish, and we don't need that right now. So the forage base for all the walleyes and everything else out there is looking pretty good. So, yeah, it's been uh, decent with the warmer water temperature. Fish are starting to pick up, except for the muskies. They're a little bit slow yet.
1: Yeah, is that mostly what you've been going after, or have you been doing a lot of different species?
3: (coughs) It's mostly what I've been going after. I've been after uh, basically muskies, trophy pike, and then smallmouth. You know, the smallmouth, we haven't had a problem finding them. Uh, Big pike, it's been a little tougher. You know, we've had those uh, massive cold fronts and all that rain that came through last week. You know, that's sort of turned them off, but they're starting to turn on again, which is good to see. Uh, Walleyes, I haven't really targeted for the last week, week and a half. But, you know, the funny thing is we're still catching them, Brian, when we're muskie fishing, when we're northern pike fishing, and we're still catching them crazy when we're smallmouth fishing. So there's, uh, there's no shortage of walleyes. I don't care what anyone else says.
1: So that's a little odd that they're still that shallow.
3: It is. It is. But, you know, I think it sort of sits to reason that, you know, as long as the forage base is still that shallow, they're going to be that shallow. You know, the crayfish, my God, if you get a chance, a calm, hot, sunny day on your favorite rock reef for smallies, take a good look and you'll see the crayfish in there by the hundreds of thousands just moving around. And until they uh, get out of there, (laughs) it's going to be walleye central for sure.
1: What are we looking at for water temps out there on the Lacs right now?
3: It depends where you go, Brian. If you're on the main basin, it's anywhere from 72 to about 75, 76 degrees top, that's surface temperature. If you're in the back of the bays or in the bays themselves, you're looking at 74 to 77 degrees in some areas and higher which isn't good, but, you know, when it gets that high, the water temperature in the back of those bays, there's not a lot of fish anyway back there. They've moved out a little bit deeper basin, maybe the main basin itself. Otherwise, they're in the main uh, deep part of the bays themselves. So, yeah, they've got the best of both worlds, but when the water temperature is that hot in that shallow water, it depletes the oxygen, so they have to follow where they can breathe.
1: And one last thing, and people do want to go after pike out there, Steve, and there are some anglers that are liking to target those now. What would you recommend doing?
3: Uh, the weed beds, Brian. Definitely the cabbage beds. There's thousands of them in this lake. on am a Lacs Lake. Uh, we're using spinner baits, small spinner baits. We're using uh, musky size spinner baits, two up to ounce and a half, two ounces at times. Uh, what you want to do, I still like that one-two punch. You know, we're moving very, very slowly, a half mile an hour with the trolling motor, dragging a sucker minnow you about 10 inches long, and a couple guys can be casting. So you've got the best of both worlds. Weave in and out of the weed beds. You know, that's where you're going to find them. It's sort of funny. Northern Pike don't really get that all that active till after 9 o'clock in the morning. I don't know why, but if for some reason it's true. Yes, we've taken them at a crack of dawn, but usually after 9 o'clock they get pretty active. Can't complain with fish that let you sleep in a little bit. I don't blame him. If I could, I would. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. That's Steve
1: Sopaniak with Predator Guide Service. You can check him out, PredatorGuideService.com. Staying very busy out there on Mille Lac. Steve, I appreciate it. Good stuff, as always. We will check in next week.
3: My pleasure, Brian. Thank you.
1: More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And back with us this week, uh, Tony Roach with Roach's Guide Service. Tony, a very accomplished angler here in the uh, Media Brainerd Lakes area and spends a lot of time fishing the entire Midwest. We obviously find you out on the water doing a little pan fishing this time around.
4: Yeah, you know, Brian, when I get a day off, I love to just go to different lakes and try different things. And I love pan fishing in general. You know, it, As you know, after spring rolls by and early summer, people tend to forget about pan And I mean, they're notorious roamers, especially this time of year. You get those big packs of suspending fish, and they may be keying in on an area because the wind's blowing in there, or uh, you know they're feeding on something in particular. A lot of bug activity, especially mornings and evenings. And then, you know, as soon as the wind comes up or the sun gets high in the sky, they're going to be shifting to a different area. So I really like to use my electronics to find those fish, but I also like to use uh, you know reactionary type of baits. Like today, right now, we're pan fishing. We're catching crappies and bluegills. And I'm just pitching a small little rip and wrap, just throwing it out there, letting it float over the tops of the cabbage, and then working it off that deep edge. Now, I'm not worrying about it falling down, you know, to, to the bottom of the lake. Crappies, bluegills, most of the time when they're off that weed edge or, you know, they're loosely relating to the cabbage, they're feeding up in the water column. So I'm, I'm fishing this bait really aggressive half crank half bait, half jig. So I pitch it out, let it fall, and then just rip it back to the boat. What's cool about that is I can fish very, very fast, and I can stay on the fish. So if the schools move, I just simply move on and look for another school of fish. Early morning is great, especially if it's dead flat calm. A lot of times you'll see those great big schools of fish feeding on the surface. And so once you've pinpointed them, they've, you know, they've revealed themselves, and so you can really find them pretty quickly doing that. And a lot of times they're up in the water column. You can throw crankbaits, soft plastics. I mean, fish a lot of different ways, but you can fish really fast and find them easier. And then from then on, you know, as the day progresses, like today, they were up uh, really close to the surface. A lot of them were feeding. It was calm. Now that the wind's come up a little bit, they've shifted a little bit deeper, so I'm allowing this bait to just fall a little deeper and kind of – I'm continuing to target the fish, but I'm, I'm, I've am i moved out. I've moved out into that 10 uh 14 feet right now. I'm on a lake right now, and there's a few people bass fishing. Looks like one guy was uh, fishing walleyes on a hump, but no one's pan fishing, and that, that's the beautiful part about it. And a lot of times, Brian, I'll find lakes that I'll fish in the summer, and I'll mark some of these spots, uh, and I'll just go back to there in the, in the winter. Um, uh, it could be a small little remote lake like you touched on, or it could be a, a bigger body of water that has lots of structure. And then what I'll do is I'll mark the cabbage lines. I'll mark where I'm finding schools of fish, especially if they're adjacent to some deeper water. And then I'll just come back there early ice and check those spots. You know, I've seen it a little bit on a few lakes where, you know, the the walleyes are heavily feeding in the weeds. You're starting to see them shift out a little bit away from that weed line. And there's another spot where I fish um, uh, just down from me. I'm going to hit it next after we get off the phone. It's a deeper rock pile and it always holds bluegills. Well, Uh, That's a great fall area to find bluegills and largemouth bass. And I guarantee when I go out there right now, even though it's not fall and surface temps are warm, there's already going to be fish setting up on that rock reef. I I don't ever go into a situation saying, I'm only going to fish this way. I kind of let the fish tell me what to do. You know, if I start graphing along this weed edge and I'm seeing them all suspended and they're out off the structure and away from the structure, I might shift gears and uh, try to fish more vertically um, using floats or bobbers. Work great for that scenario. I like to use jigging wraps where I'll just drop it straight down below the fish, I'll actually fish right below my transducer, much like you would, uh, you know, if you're ice fishing. Um, However, today I kind of graft around the edges and I found some suspended fish, but a lot of them are closer to the weed line. So then that's why I started pitching the rip and wraps. But I generally let the fish tell me how to fish them. Uh, Same thing goes for walleyes. If I get into a situation where, let's say I'm gonna, you know, um, I wanna troll uh, spinners along the weeds and all of a sudden, you know, I I realize the fish are out deep or or something I might switch to red tails or jigging wraps, you know, I always just let the fish tell me what to do and then uh, I just try to, you know, deploy the best presentation to catch those fish.
1: Now, I did want to talk about uh, Canada. Last time we had you on the show, Tony, you were out in Montana out on steelhead lake i believe it was and you had some pretty interesting stuff with lake trout out there and uh, also going after uh, perch uh this time you were up in canada here not too long ago took your son with you first time up there i'd ask you how you did but it's kind of a silly question it's canada so if you if you know what you're doing you're gonna have luck up there but you had a pretty special trip
4: i did it was uh you know my dad my son um we, we stayed on a houseboat and uh kind of out in the wilderness stayed on an island on lake of the woods uh, told my son on the way up i said listen when you get to canada catching walleyes is like catching sunfish you know you're going to be catching them non-stop and within the first half hour he's like dad you're right this is just like catching sunfish at home (laughs) Uh, we were catching walleyes like crazy um up there you know it's so awesome because it's you know when you're fishing lake of the woods or some of those big bodies of water up there they're so vast and so diverse so you know one day we'd fish walleyes with bottom bouncers and then the next day we'd go pitch plastics or crankbaits on some of these really uh chunk rock shorelines and we were catching smallmouth and walleyes up there and then i took him lake trout fishing uh we did a little trolling for lake trout he got like a 36 inch lake trout he had never caught a a big laker before so it was really fun and you know of course the pike uh, you know he caught a bunch of big pike up there and 40 inch pike and uh i just love going to canada i mean uh, i think any angler out there that uh, you know, has experience going up to the Canadian wilderness and doing the shore lunch thing. Um, it's just a special time. It's I'll never forget that trip. It was so much fun. You know, just seeing him pick crayfish on the shorelines to you know catching his first big lake trout. It's just it's irreplaceable.
1: And that's the part of the the area that I'm not real familiar with that northern part of Lake of the Woods. When you get up into Canada, uh, what is that? Is there a lot of structure up there, Tony, or is it does it differ a lot from the U.S. end of Lake of the Woods?
4: Oh, it's vastly different you know on the on the south end it's primarily basin when you get up to the northwest angle and then start to shift into Canada, it's all reefs and boulders and certainly are there are basin areas where there's ciscos and 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 fish suspending where where you see walleyes all in that deep water, but there's just endless amounts of structure and uh you know I think a lot of the overlooked areas when you get up there are some of the shallower water spots because there are so many reefs that hold fish. You don't have to go far to catch a walleye. And so a lot of anglers will just go out to the first reef they see and start catching fish, and then they never leave. Whereas a lot of this real shallow shoreline stuff holds cabbage weed, it holds big walleyes, it holds chunk rock. You know, up there you've got a a lot of structure that's bedrock, right? So if you can find that chunk rock areas or even some of those areas that go from rock to sand or rock to mud, Uh, you know you can really find some big walleyes hanging around those areas plus you catch pike and muskies and everything else but yeah it varies uh quite differently from the south end of the lake and lake of the woods is such a special place because it's so huge and there's so much water i mean you could spend a lifetime up there and not fish a tenth of it i mean it's it's amazing place i that's where i got my guiding start was up at flag island resort up there and um, it's always been special to me. I love going up there. I try to go up there at least once a year.
1: How long ago was that that you got your start up there?
4: Uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I was in college and I uh, got my first job guiding in the summers up there, and I spent a lot of time up in the islands and really learning that area. I was still fishing tournaments. You know, I'd come down and fish a tournament on Mille Lacs or Leech or wherever, and then I'd go back up there and guide. And I just fell in love with that area. At the time, you know, Shortly after I, I quit guiding up there, you know, I met my wife, uh, who's now, or my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and you know, I I couldn't quite talk her into moving up there. But <laughs> If I could have, uh, that's where I, my my permanent residence probably would be today. But I still go up there, you know, like I said, once a year because it's such a cool place. It's it's a great musky fishery. It's great pike fishery. It's a phenomenal smallmouth bass fishery. That the walleyes are incredible. You can catch lake trout that's what and there's so much water like I said you can uh it's every day we fished a different area and never fished the same you know even area twice let alone structure twice we uh just picked different parts of the lake and and kind of went after it and I actually uh, every time I go up there I try to pick it one day where I'll fish an area that I've never fished before and I did that this year and had a, a great time catching smallmouth bass we we found this one island that was just loaded with smallies, so we we were throwing jerk baits and it was incredible. You know, and I, I try to do that every time I go up there is pick one day where I'll just go exploring and um, it almost always pays off. Anybody who has kids out there, if if you really want to get them fired up about fishing, I mean, Canada is just one of the destinations. If you take a kid up there, they're just, it's, they're never going to forget it. And they're hooked for life. I mean, right when I got back from Canada, my son was rifling through some of my tackle because he was going over to grandma's to fish off the dock and he wanted to, you know, fish some of the techniques that we did up there, you know, with jerk baits and, and uh, the, you know, dipstick worms and just, just wacky rigging. And it really, it fu- it kind of lit a fire on him. He fishes all the time, but, you know, coming back from an experience like that, um, it he, he just, it, it really lit a fire on him. It's really cool to see. Tony
1: Roach, she is with Roach's Guide Service and uh, always nice enough to drop by and provide some information for us here on the show. Tony, I appreciate it. Tony, if people want more information on you, how can they get it?
4: I think over to com. Check me out on Facebook, email me, text me, or Instagram.
1: Tony Roach, Roach's Guide Service. Tony, I appreciate you taking the time. I'll let you get back to fishing, and uh, we'll check in real soon, okay?
4: All right. Thanks for having me, Brian. Good luck fishing.
1: More Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Lakes Area Flood and Fire are your local flood, fire, and mold restoration specialists in the lakes area. From the ground up, they want to protect your investment and the health of you and your home or business. Instead of simply fixing the symptoms, they dig down to the root of the cause so it doesn't happen again. Their staff is IICRC certified and has an impressive track record of successful remediation projects and flood dryouts. Lakes Area Flood and Fire, providing services that help keep your home and family safe. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and always fun to bring in uh, Dr. Nate Leposki. He's with Essentia Health here in Brainerd, and uh, we had him on here a while back, and we were talking about tick removal and all that, but here we are now into the fishing season, and uh, I thought this would be a pretty good opportunity for him to talk about fish hook removal. First of all, Dr. Leposki, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back. And we were talking off-air last weekend in the E.R., One person came in.
5: Yeah, you know, we were just talking about that, and we actually have a a cardboard cutout they've been using the last several years where people are able to, well, in the past they were able to put put their fish hooks in this guy, but now we give them a sticker to put on the part of the body where the hook was pulled out and i just checked yesterday and there's still only one sticker on there which is (laughs) pretty impressive people are being very careful apparently
1: well that's why we do a segment like this talk first off about maybe if somebody just has a simp i've done it before you know you get it in your finger or something like that there's some pretty easy steps where you don't have to go into the er or anything like that you can do by yourself
5: Yeah, absolutely. And kind of the main one you'll see out there is this string technique. And I actually, before I came in, just to see what's available out there, there's tons of YouTube videos out there of people doing this technique. So it's a little bit difficult sometimes to visualize what's going on uh, over the radio. But if you just go to YouTube, you can type in string technique, and you'll see a lot of great um, videos of people removing the hooks. But basically what you want to do, it's exactly what it says. You take a piece of string... Um, you want to tie it over uh, the base of the hook. So right, just about right where the hook enters the skin, right where the hook curves, you tie a piece of string there. And what you can do is actually, um, once you have the string tied, you actually push down on the the loop where you'd put your where you tie your knot. You push that back. And then you can just give it a quick jerk straight out, and yeah, it <laughs> makes not me that jump <laughs> right there. I know. <laughs> yeah, it actually just about all the time. It might take one or two jerks, but it just about all the time works, especially in kind of small to moderate size hooks. Um, it's a great technique. So. So
1: that's something people can do on their own. And like you said, uh, basically just YouTube it if if you're having a little trouble comprehending it.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we actually have a great handout, too. Uh, We can give you at the the hospital if you ever wanted one. You could stop in and pick one up. But uh, it takes you step by step through this whole whole process.
1: Now, what happens if it's a little bit worse than that and you have to come in? Um, Obviously, there's some precautions you want to take there. First off, what to do.
5: Yeah, so if you... If you do, unfortunately, get a hook stuck somewhere and you're not comfortable taking it out, uh, just one thing to avoid is to avoid cutting the hook off flush with the skin. And we see people do that occasionally, uh, you know, trying to help out. But what happens then is the hook can end up under the skin, and then it just makes it more complicated to have to open the skin up and remove the hook. So what we generally recommend is if you're able to cover the other hooks that are exposed, especially on a, a treble hook, um, cover those other hooks up either with tape, or if you do have a, a wire cutter or a bolt cutter, you can snip those up. Because occasionally we do see those end up stuck in other places of the body after an initial fish hook injury. So if you can if you can get rid of those, but leave most of it there is really helpful for us because then we actually have more to, to grab onto. Yeah.
1: And that brings us to one other thing, too. Some of the things you should have in your tackle box maybe is it's not tackled but could really help you out too if you're out on the boat
5: absolutely uh, having a bolt cutter or a, a wire wire cutter pliers something that will cut through a hook um is a great thing having some tape like i said to potentially cover up uh sharp parts of the of the lure um What else? Uh, Kind of a heavy-duty string or a a heavy-duty line, uh, something that's not going to break if you tug on it in case you want to try the string technique while you're out in the boat. What about
1: like uh, peroxide, alcohol, anything like that?
5: You can sure do that. You can sure clean it up a little bit. And, you know, if you come in, obviously, we do that before we do too much. uh, But, yeah, that's another good idea.
1: What about where we're talking, you know, I've had them, you know, get embedded in my fingers and stuff like that. But you hear stories of people that get them in, I mean, places like close to their eye. What if something like that happens? Should you just leave, try anything, just go right in? Would you recommend that?
5: Yeah, you know, I think generally above the neck. If it's somewhere in your your face, your ears, your nose around the eyes obviously uh we want you to probably leave those in place and let let us take a look and sometimes we even have to get others involved if you know if it's involving an eye or an ear or something like that but um yeah general rules above the neck probably leave those alone and if you're if you're brave enough below the neck usually you can give it a try so
1: tetanus um is that something too that people should be aware of
5: Yeah, you know anytime you get a a hook and you should just make sure you're up to date on your tetanus status you don't have to rush in for that but within a day or two you need to you know get that updated yeah
1: and one last thing and I, I shiver actually asking you this what's the worst that you've actually seen
5: well we've seen uh in training i did see one in an eye in an eyeball oh. um <laughs> i've also seen them uh you know the, one, the complicated ones for us are when fingers get stuck together because they have multiple barbs and multiple fingers. And then it just takes a little bit more work to, to, to get those out. It's just kind of a slow process sometimes. But the, the nice thing about coming into the emergency department, if you do have have this problem, is that we can get you numbed up. So it turns into more of a painless process, even though sometimes it takes a while. Uh, we can do it relatively pain-free uh, for the most part. If, if there's any question about it, come in there. I mean, we do this very routinely. Um, Like I said, we only had one this weekend, but throughout the summer we do – Typically on a summer day, we're doing it several a day, you know, some some days and for sure several a week. So uh, this is something we're very comfortable with. So if you are if you don't have any comfort level with it, bring it into us. We do these all the time. Yeah, so don't feel embarrassed. <laughs> don't feel embarrassed. <laughs> nope, not at all.
1: <laughs> it happens all the time. Uh, Dr. Nate Leposki, he's with Essentia Health here in, in Brainerd, and uh, we like to have him on from time to time. Keeping you safe in the outdoors, no doubt about that. Dr. Leposki, thanks a bunch.
5: Hey, thanks again. Yep.
1: More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Rapaway Marine & Sport is your full-service marine repair facility along with repair and service of ATVs, side-by-sides, and snowmobiles. All service work is performed by a factory-trained professional with years of experience. Rapaway Marine & Sport will get your recreational vehicle back up and running in no time with trusted service and timely return. Find Rapaway Marine & Sport on Facebook for weekly updates. Rapaway Marine & Sport, located just south of Staples on County Road 7. Away Marine & Sport. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B ninety three point three. Chef Joel joins us again, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, three seventy one North in Baxter. Another great venison recipe this week, uh, Joel. You know me, I love mushrooms, I love pasta, I love venison. So why not mushroom and venison
6: pasta? Sounds awesome. It's a beautiful combination. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna take uh, some pretty awesome venison steaks, season them up however you like, and uh, we're just gonna grill those up ahead of time. Bring them up to. You could even really bring those up to a, a rare. You know, and just let them sit because um, we're going to end up dicing them up and we're going to add them to our pasta. So we can dice that up, set it aside, and we'll start working on our working on our sauce. We'll take some onions and some bacon chopped up and we'll saute that off, get the bacon nice and crispy, onions kind of translucent. We'll add in some mushrooms. You know, you can kind of go with, with any kind of mushrooms you like. Uh, I made this at work with a, uh, a blue oyster mushroom, which is the really cool kind of uh, – Looks like Medusa almost. mushroom. Nice. It's really crazy. <laughs> we made it with that. Um, any kind of mushroom you like, a button, a cremini, whatever you have. So we'll add some of those chopped up into our, into our uh, onions and bacon, a little bit of garlic, let that cook down, add in some sherry cooking wine, let that reduce down a little bit by half, add in some heavy cream, let that cook down, and finally we'll add in our diced up venison. Just to bring that up to temperature, kind of bring that to a you know a medium rare once you get in there if it starts out rare. And then we're going to add in some uh, cooked pasta. Any pasta of choice will, will work out great. I think a, a penne would be really nice in there. And we'll just uh, serve that up. A little parmesan on top. It's good to go. I think
1: Matt Brewer would find this recipe awesome because he's got a whole bunch of morels that he had been picking.
6: So That would be perfect. Yeah,
1: so this is something I'm sure Matt will be all over. And you're the expert when it comes to cooking, but I will weigh in on this. You had mentioned, you know, maybe cook those venison. You know, when you're grilling them, rare. Because yeah, because the, the dry
6: more they're quick. going to dry out quick. If you bring it to a mid rare, a medium, the more it sits, it's it's going to lose its juices. You dice it up, add it to your pasta. It's it's going to be tough. Yeah,
5: there, there you go. If you
1: want to give it a try, head to our website, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com, and you can try mushroom and venison. Pasta. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, 371 North. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And that will wrap up this week's show, and of course, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. You can also stream the show live if you're out of town or away from your radio. BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com is where you want to go for that. Click on the Listen Live tab, as well as check out our sponsors page while you're there, and you can also check us out all over the podcast networks, wherever you download podcasts. Search Brainerd Outdoors and uh, give us a like, a rate, and a review. We'd appreciate that as well. And subscribe, too. I uh, will see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon.
0: Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by the Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Live Axe Marine and Isle, S&W Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Freedom Firearms, Newman Construction, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Canvas Tech, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Bermall Shoe Store in Randall, SPR Motorsports and Marine, and by Rag Your Truck Accessory Pros. Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3.